Welcome to episode seven of Dirt Stories. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Becca Grieb, and today I'm chatting with Devin, Vice President of DevCon Inc. in Alberta, Canada. Being a business owner and contractor looks very different today than it did a few years ago. We're looking forward to chatting with Devin about what it's been like to be a contractor and business owner today during COVID and what he predicts his business will look like in the future. Let's get started. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dirt Stories. Today, I am chatting with Devin from DevCon uh, out in Alberta. We're going to hear a little bit about his Dirt Story, uh, the company, and what they've been up to over the past couple months. So, Devin, welcome to today's episode. Thanks for having me on, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. We're super excited to hear what you guys have been up to. I know we we came out uh, to your office to, to chat with you a little bit a couple months ago and you had a lot on the go. So I'm excited to see what uh, and hear what's been happening over the last couple months, especially with how you're adjusting uh, to changes with COVID. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Today's episode is all about your dirt story, um, your experience as a contractor and a business owner. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in construction. Okay, so I got involved in construction through my father. Um, growing up in Calgary, Alberta, uh, my father was always, uh, he was a construction professional. And I, after high school, I started working with my father. Actually, even while I was in high school, um, in the summers, I started working with my father just to earn some, some disposable income. And I would start running heavy equipment or helping my dad out on the job sites. Uh, at you know age 15 age 16 and that's really what got me involved in construction was just uh, seeing my father do it and mm-hmm. liking the industry liking being a part of the, the construction industry and, and so following in his footsteps do you have any early early memories of some of the first projects or jobs you took on oh, I still remember my first job with my dad I still remember my first day um, yeah, I can remember the exact, it was in a subdivision, a residential subdivision development in Calgary, um, called Evanston. It was phase one, probably early two thousands. And, uh, yeah, my dad was teaching me how to drive an eight speed water truck, an international eight speed water truck. I find this industry so interesting because there really isn't formal education or training in a lot of roles like there are for other industries you know for for some people they go to college or they go to university or they go you know specialize in a trade and construction a lot of the time is, is learning from someone so was it your dad that was was responsible for kind of helping you learn the ropes yeah my dad had a fundamental uh involvement in, in definitely training me um you know it also for me, I was fortunate and unfortunate because I got to learn on the job as well as at the dinner table and, you know, on Friday night, you know, movie night, my dad would still be telling me, well, you did this and you should have done that and you could have done this. And, you know, so mine was like a, it was an ongoing training living with, your, <laughs> living with your supervisor. Um, but I was fortunate for that because it made me a better, it made me a better uh, equipment operator and a better uh, construction 
Yeah. We can always count on our parents to, to tell us the truth and how we're doing, right? Totally. <laughs> so how did DevCon get started? What's the story behind the company? So the story behind DevCon was, there's a couple stories here. So DevCon was founded in 2003 by my father. He was a, a, a sole, basically he was a consultant. He was a superintendent for earth moving companies and he consulted himself um, as a superintendent through DevCon. Um, I got involved in DevCon in 2013. So 10 years later, uh, I partnered with my dad. It was really, we sat down, we had both worked for other companies. I had worked my way through field positions uh, into supervisor roles and project management estimation roles with other earth moving companies. And so, uh, my father and I just decided, hey, with, with our knowledge of the field operations, as well as the estimation and the project management and the operations management side of it, we thought, hey, we could do this on our own or we could, we could have our own business. Mm-hmm. And so we set, uh, we set our goals forward in 2013. It was actually from Christmas from 2012 to 2013 where we were on a family vacation and we said hey let's partner up and let's uh let's run at this and and we've never really looked back nice i love that the humble beginnings mm-hmm. we, so- we started it, you know and we started with one machine my father had some some life savings i borrowed some money from my grandfather and we went down to minnesota and we bought a caterpillar d6 and that was both of our favorite machines as far as our ability to operate and what you know our, and our skill set and so that was where we started and we when when the bulldozer landed in calgary we had jobs for it to go to right away and one day my dad would operate it one day i would operate it and that was sort of how we got our our mm-hmm. feet off the ground so you started with the d6 your website, you know, you talk about being the earth moving specialist. So tell me a little bit about the projects that you work on, who your customers are, and maybe some services that you offer. Yeah. So, so in our past life, we did a lot of subdivision work for residential or, or commercial subdivision. And we just found that that market was very, very, um, it was cornered. Calgary has some big earth moving companies and they've got that market sort of captured really well. And so we decided to go for a little bit of a different approach. Uh, we, we have a large focus on government uh, entities as our clients. And a lot of the work we do, uh, another thing we experienced in our past life was contractors typically shy away from um, unique or challenging or uh, different projects. A lot of, a lot of contractors in in this industry they like to move a pile of dirt from a to b and get paid for it and move on so we looked at that as an opportunity to get into more niche markets projects where there's unique environmental requirements or uh, unique regulatory compliance aspects so a lot of river work we do a lot of landfill work Um, you know we do a lot of remote site work so things that are, you know, things that are unique. Um, and once again, a lot of government agencies, I mean, we, we do a lot of work for municipalities, 
or for Alberta Environment and Parks or Alberta okay. Transportation or Municipal Waste Commissions. Um, Right. And some, some private work, some private oil and gas or uh, energy sector work as well. But uh, predominantly, I would say about 75 to 85 percent of our work is through uh, government based. Entities. Mm -hmm. So I know in the services that you offer as a company, there's the civil construction component. And then there's also um, kind of an environmental part of that as well. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how your services fit into those two categories? Where, where we're geographically located is right up against the mountains in Calgary. And so we've got quite a diverse, a diversity of, of geography between uh, one hour east of Calgary to one hour west of Calgary. And what I mean by that is one hour east of Calgary, you're in the prairies. Uh, Calgary is, is would be called like the, the foothills or the rolling hills and then one hour west of Calgary you're in the Rocky Mountains. Right. So there's there's um, quite a, a variety of different types of environmental work that happens from whether it's work up in the mountains like we did a big job last year on Exshaw Creek and so it's a big alluvial fan where there was a big flood in 2013 and because of the, the steep grade of this Exshaw Creek and the, the volume of water that came down in this flood, it moved so much material and washed out roads and washed out infrastructure. And then you get to a job, you know, call it on the east side of the city and it's more farm fields or, you know, um, sorry, and I, I don't know that I'm answering your question correctly. No, I feel no, like this is good. <laughs> There's no right answer. <laughs> yeah, no, and I guess, you know, there's a, there's a quite a variety of different environmental um, things at play, whether you're working in the mountains or you're working in the prairies or you're working in the foothills. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That makes sense. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. One of yeah. my favorite parts about doing these Dirt Stories interviews is hearing what people take away from the industry. Cause I think we're, you know, we're all working in the industry for different reasons and we take different things out of every job that we do. So something I would love to know is what is your favorite thing about working in this industry? My favorite, well, there's a couple of answers to that actually. <laughs> um, and, and one thing is I've always liked the industry. When I was a kid, I remember going out and I didn't really, I knew that my dad, dealt with big heavy equipment and, and stuff like that but when I went out to a job site and I got a picture with me and my dad on a d10 and I thought you know a caterpillar d10 like a massive bulldozer and I just thought I thought the industry was really cool I've always liked heavy equipment since I was a child and so that's one thing I've, I've always liked the heavy equipment industry and just the the things that um the things that we make happen with heavy equipment, like looking over your shoulder after you've completed a job is a really rewarding, is a really rewarding uh, thing about this industry. And another thing I really like about it is um, a little selfish indulgence is that in Alberta, we typically get shut down for the winter. Mm -hmm. And so if you can play your cards right, you can generate enough revenue and income in nine months for 12 months and then you can take three months of downtime right and so that was something I also enjoyed about the industry was that 
it gives you an opportunity to have some downtime in the winter where you can do several different things. You can repair your fleet, you can take holidays, uh, you can revamp your, your operations and your procedures to make them better for the next year. And so we've kind of adopted that mentality. We, we always take January, February, and March to kind of implement new programs or, um, and so I, I like that about the industry is that it's, uh, it's very seasonal in nature. Mm -hmm. I liked what you said earlier too about, you know, just the satisfaction of looking back on a project that you've worked on and, and seeing the final result. And we talk about this at Dozer a lot, you know, construction, it is the industry that really builds and feeds our world. And, and construction touches every part of your life, whether you work in the industry or not. So I, I totally hear that. I think that's, that's a great reason um, to, to be proud of working in the industry is the satisfaction of looking at the hard work you put in and the outcomes that have, you, you see. Yeah, and, and as, we get, as we do more projects and we get involved in more projects, there is a great sense of pride that comes along with having your business's name on a project or a piece of infrastructure that will be there you know, as long as, as, long as I'm, I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's also you know that's really uh rewarding and and uh, absolutely absolutely yeah. tell me a little bit about the biggest challenges or challenge that you've faced in your career so far um well there's, there's kind of the same thing that's there's there's i've faced several challenges um i've i didn't get a post-secondary education and I would say that is often a challenge um, because I didn't come into this with a post-secondary uh, or, or a background like a business degree or a um, an engineering degree or um, I guess the society's fundamental requirements to starting a business is that you need a business degree. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a challenge that I've faced, and maybe it's not even a necessarily a, a, as much of a challenge as it is a, a foreseen challenge. People think that, you know, if they don't have a business degree, they can't start a business or they can't run a business or, um, you know. So uh -huh. I'd say that's, that's a challenge that I've faced, and maybe it's even just uh, um, the way people perceive me. They see that I don't have a, an accreditation behind my, my name on my business card, and they might perceive me as... Um, something different than I am. Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot uh, from people in the industry as well, which is, it's crazy because you think of all the training and time and hours you put into learning different roles, whether you're, you know, a site super or you're an operator. It's, it's crazy that that's even a perception, whether it is or not. That's, that's, I hear that a lot. Well, so, I did, I did travel a lot in my, you know, when uh, some of my peers were, were getting a post-secondary education, I was, I had a backpack on and I was traveling around and I traveled around Europe and around Australia and I worked at construction companies in uh, overseas and um, I got, I got an education of sorts. It wasn't a post-secondary education from a university or whatever, but um, mm -hmm. I got an education, you know, from being in different situations in different regions with different types of people and equipment and and so I, yeah. I got an education in that regard but yeah it wasn't the typical you know uh business degree from yeah 
I think that's the best education though. You travel somewhere new and you're just thrown in and you're forced to just pick up and, and face whatever's thrown at you. I think that's the best way to learn sometimes. I, so, I, yeah, I definitely, uh, I left a, a boy and came back a man. After that. <laughs> so on that note, some of our listeners have been working in the industry for decades. Um, some maybe newer to the industry or not even working in construction. Um, what advice do you have for young people? I think back to, you know, when I was in high school, a lot of 15, 16, 17 year olds don't know what they want to do after high school or where to go. So what's your advice for someone who is interested or wants to get into the industry, but doesn't really know how to get started? You know, I'll be completely candid too. And I didn't know that I really wanted to be in this industry until my mid twenties. Uh, I never, I took it seriously, but I didn't take it really seriously until my mid, um, you know, early to mid twenties. Um, so from the time I was about 15 or 16 until I was, call it 24, um, I was predominantly working at the industry, at the construction industry to earn a living, mm -hmm. um, to make, to make, to make, uh, you know, to make a wage. I, I did a good job and I, I was, I was cared about what I did, but I wasn't like, oh, this is my career and I'm super passionate about it. It was once I started to uh, elevate past um, just a, an equipment operator. So once I got into a foreman role or a project manager role or an estimation role, then I really started to look at it as this is my career path. I, this is where I want to be and I want to stay here. I, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, I was still of that mindset up until my early twenties of that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, or I wasn't really certain of where I wanted to be. And so I think the biggest thing, the biggest advice I'd give anyone who's of that mindset, whether it's 17 years old or 22 years old, um, is just, just do a good job. And, and persevere at what you like do the best at what you're what you what you're doing regardless of whatever that is mm -hmm. and why i say that is because a lot of people they they were working at a job just to earn a paycheck and they don't care about the job they're doing and i've always had the opposite mentality it wasn't it didn't matter if i was delivering furniture in the winter time when when i was laid off or i was working at a, you know, a, a job in a different country, I always did the best job I could do. Even if I knew that it wasn't my career or it wasn't my, you know, my future, um, my future path, I just always tried to do the best job I could do at whatever job I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really important for me because then once I decided that I wanted to stay in this industry and I wanted to continue pursuing my career in a construction role, um, I already, I was respected by my peers because I, I treated the, the, the industry. I, I took it seriously. Mm -hmm. so. I think that makes a lot of sense. I want to dive into some of those roles that you mentioned for, for some of our listeners that may not know, you mentioned a project manager, you know, working in estimation. Can you tell me a little bit about those roles and the responsibilities that come with those roles? It varies between company to company. Um, for example, at DevCon, we have our estimators and project managers are kind of in the same group. 
And so what I mean by that is some companies will have an estimation division and a project management division, and they're totally separate. And the right. estimators bid on jobs, and when they win a job, they hand it over to the project management department, and the project manager takes it and sees it through. Mm -hmm. We operate a little bit differently here in that, in that um, usually we'll have someone, whoever estimates the job, will then follow it through to project management, right through to completion. And then okay. that way, and then that way, you don't have that disconnect between estimator and manager. Right. The estimator is the manager. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I learned that was my technique or the technique that I was trained on. Mm -hmm. So and now, yeah. now is the VP, what are your days? What is a typical day? Well, and VP, but, but also yet yeah, we're, you know, we're a small, enormous company. So <laughs> my typical day is, you know, I, I look at estimation. Um, I look at, I, I assist on estimation. I assist on project management. I assist on safety supervision. Um, I'm assisting with bookkeeping and payroll. Um, and so my, my daily, you know, I've got about 10 different ball caps that I wear daily, depending on what day it is. Right. And then sometimes I'm dealing with, you know, the banks and the insurance companies and the bonding companies and the legal departments and, you know, and so, so I get a good variety of all different aspects of the industry. And fortunately, we're a small enough company that if I really want to, I could go out and hop on a machine for a couple hours if I had the desire. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about technology. You know, we are a construction technology podcast and there's been a lot of technology advances in the industry over the past few years. So we've, we've discovered uh, some new tools and discussed quite a few on the podcast, you know, safety software, automated equipment, drones and robots that are being used to monitor sites um, and new levels of, of safety standards that have kind of emerged as a result of these. So I guess my question for you is, how is the company or even you as an individual, how are you embracing technology to help move your business forward? Well, in the, uh, I like that question. We've always been, there was a few key things when I got into business with my father back in 2013. Um, I always wanted to be at the forefront of technology and safety. And, and I wanted my equipment to sort of fall in line with those two things. Um, so what that meant was trying to run the most current fleet of equipment that we can realistically run. Uh, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd have brand new everything with all the latest and greatest technology, but um, it's, not, it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. you know? And so what, what we've decided to do, like our first D6, um, we outfitted that D6 with a Topcon GPS system. And it helped us secure, you know, uh, consistent work for that machine because we had that capability. Uh, in 2013, GPS dozers were around, but they weren't nearly as common as they are today. I think, you know, we, we invested heavily in getting that machine wired up appropriately, whereas nowadays, I think all the machines just come pre-wired for GPS. Right. 
so there were some things that we were doing in that avenue and same with safety. And I mean, kind of to hit on a few of the things, you, mentioned, you know, we moved to a digital uh, time tracking and production tracking software a number of years ago uh, mm -hmm. to get away from paper documentation. We've also implemented a, uh, a safety, a digital safety uh, program so that all of our safety forms are being done on smartphones and tablets instead of uh, manual paper documents. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we've always, you know, we've always, uh, I've always wanted to stay at the cutting edge of, of technology. Uh, same thing, my staff can work remotely, um, you know, which would be uh, really encumbering if we weren't able to work remotely uh, during this, mm -hmm. uh, this pandemic time. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's something where we've always had, uh, you know, we've always had our feet in the, in the technology side of things. Uh, we haven't gotten too carried away on the equipment stuff, just um, with financial constraints. You know, you have to be realistic. Right. We do I have a, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna touch on that. I think that's, it's a good thing that you're mentioning about having the balance as well. You can't embrace necessarily every tool. You have to think about your business needs and really where technology can support it most efficiently. Yeah, and another thing is, I mean, I, we intentionally have a certain size of company because that's what we wanted and that's what we were comfortable with. Um, I know of some larger companies, they have some fancier, you know, fancier equipment or fancier technology, but that's more in line with their style of business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having, um, having specific goals as to the size of business that we want to have we also have to have some realistic uh expectations as to you know our capital expenditures and what we can afford and, and can't afford and and you know we we don't have aspirations of being a huge multinational or or a global company and so some of those fancier wish list items will maybe never come to fruition mm -hmm. This episode of Dirt Stories is sponsored by Dozer. Search and reserve equipment online on the world's first e-commerce solution for heavy equipment rentals. Try it out now at dozer.com. So you touched on the pandemic. I want to circle back to that a little bit. We are recording this uh, middle-ish of April, and we are, we are right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and it's a trying time for all of us in every industry. So I'd love to hear a little bit from you about how, uh, how it's affecting your business, how it's, how it's changing or not changing things and, and what your approach is during this time to working in the industry. Well, I could say that, you know, that it, it was really from, from, the, from a DevCon perspective, we spent um, effectively December through March, you know, updating all of our procedures, updating our safety manual, updating any of our, like, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the discussion, this is kind of the time of year when we, we don't have any revenue coming in. We're not, we're not doing any construction or very limited construction. Uh -huh. And so we've got a lot of outlay of capital to, implement new programs to repair equipment to you know just get everything ready for the the, the 
upcoming mm -hmm. season. Yeah, so, yeah. So we, you know, it, it put us in a tough, it's put us in a tough position because we've spent the last, call it four or five months, um, spending capital to get prepared for a construction season. And now the construction season hasn't really come the way that it typically would. And, and what I mean by that is we did start at the beginning of March. We had a project that we got going on and it was for Alberta Environment and Parks. And it wasn't a huge project. It was like a, you know, a month long job. And so we got that started in the, at the beginning of March and halfway through the project, this pandemic hit and, uh -huh. you know, about call it the 13th or the 15th of March, everything in, you know, as you know, everything started getting canceled and stopped and everyone was at this, you know, stay home uh, mentality. And we thought, okay, it's only a few machines. It's only a few personnel. It's a remote job. No one needs to interact with each other. They have radios. They can service their own machines. They can operate their own machine. We're only working eight or 10 hours a day, five days a week. So we got that job finished. But then the subsequent projects that we had to go to after that started getting postponed or canceled. Mm -hmm. And then the weather here, you know, and I know you're on the opposite side of the country, but it just changed here like this past weekend. It was yeah. minus, it, it was like minus 10 last week and snowing here. You had and an extra long sudden, winter. <laughs> yeah, and now all of a sudden it's like 15 degrees and, you know, it's lovely out. And so it was kind of a combination of winter was still here. So the ground wasn't thawing out. The construction projects weren't starting up yet. Plus you've got the combination of this pandemic and private clients were shelving projects public clients were postponing projects. And so where we're at today is we've actually just started a job this week and it's carryover work from last year. It's about 40 to 50 days worth of work for a small crew, um, you know, maybe five people or five to 10 people. Okay. And that's Good. sort of our, that's where, you know, and then we've had some other jobs that have been postponed a couple other jobs that have been canceled outright until further notice. And so, yeah, so, I mean, we've got a little bit of field operations going on. Um, mm -hmm. And our estimation division is going full steam ahead because with all of the, uh, I don't know, government uh, um, stimulus money, there's, it seems to be a lot of projects that were, shovel ready or near shovel ready that are now out for bid. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good approach to look at what can, what can we do as a business to be more efficient and to keep moving forward, even if we're not actually, um, you know, pushing dirt right now. I think that's a good point. So it, it, it's kind of an interesting topic. We've been talking a lot with our, you know, in our interviews about what the industry looks like five, 10 years from now. And I think now more than ever with COVID, it's a really interesting discussion because there is that level of uncertainty. So tell me a little bit about DevCon's plans as a company for the next five years. Well, so, so we had humble ambitions to begin with. Um, and I think it's just re, refocusing on our original ambitions uh, for the next five years. So, and what I mean by that was when, when my father, Don, and I um, partnered up in 2013 and got going, we had this 
we wanted to get 10 pieces of equipment in five years. That was our goal. And so we bought the first piece with cash and then we bought our second piece of equipment, which was a, a 350 Hitachi 350 excavator in the same year. So those were both in 2013. Anyway, long story short, we got to our 10 pieces of equipment in four years. And then, so we went to a 20 piece equipment goal. And so we're like, okay, we want to, you know, in the next five years, let's see if we can get this up to 20 pieces. Of equipment. And so now, now that we're around, and I don't even know what the exact count is on equipment. Uh, we're about seven, going on year eight of this business. Uh -huh. um, or maybe it's year nine, but anyways. Um, yeah, so we're, we're more looking at it now of, okay, how do we get back to 10 pieces of equipment? Um, because it was, it was, I don't know, there's something to be said about knowing all of your employees intimately. Mm -hmm. um, knowing their families, knowing where they live, knowing their, you know, the personal characteristics about the people. When you get into that 20, 30, 40 employees, it really, you, you can't have those, um, those real personal interactions or, or relationships with all of your staff. And a big part of the reason why we got into this was to enjoy what we did and to enjoy who we worked with and you know and to have a lot of fun doing it so i think that's something that our next five years is really circling back to why we got into this why we decided to do this and and what we enjoy and focusing mm -hmm. in on those things i think that's that's so awesome to hear as a business owner that you have you have those strategic business goals but you also have goals to develop you know, keep those strong relationships with your, with your employees and with your team. I think that's really cool. So on that note, you know, this podcast, we're talking all about dirt stories. We're trying to, you know, tell the untold stories of businesses and business owners and uncover the hidden gems in the industry. I want to hear a little bit from you about your role models in business or in this industry are there any people you look up to or or follow whether it's on social media or people you have relationships with personally yeah there's a couple people actually there's a couple people that were really supportive of of what we were doing my father and i when we um decided to go out on our own and um what i can say is that the construction earth moving industry is you know probably the same thing in Ontario as it is in Alberta. It's a small, large industry. A lot of the people in the industry know each other or know of each other, mm -hmm. um, you know. And so there was a lot of people that you didn't expect that were going to be there to support you or to help you. And they were, you know, surprisingly, there was a few people that were really, um, you know, that were the, just there for for us. Uh, there's one gentleman, and I'm not going to mention any names here, but there's one gentleman who owns a construction company similar to mine, and he'd be even considered a competitor of ours right now. But when he saw that we won our first large tender, and it was at a landfill, it was, it was building a landfill in Didsbury, Alberta, um, and it was about a $600,000 contract that we were awarded in 2013, and he saw that I was awarded that contract. He wasn't bidding on the job, but he, his office was kind of close to the job. 
and he phoned me and he just said, Hey man, congratulations on your bid. And if you need anything, if you need any help on that job, or if you need any help with your business, let me know. I'm here to help. And it was those kinds of things and those kinds of people that a, I never expected. And B, I was really thankful that there were some nice, there were some mm -hmm. nice souls out there that were willing to help out or willing to, you know, congratulate a guy and everyone, um, everyone isn't hoping that you fail. And a lot of the time, you know, people really like to see other people fail and they talk about other people in trouble or, or having a hard time. But, you know, there are a few gems out there, a few really good people that just like to see people do well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that. one thing I've, I've noticed a lot about this industry is it really is, it's such a community of, of people supporting each other. And, and if you work in the industry, you have other people that have your back and are cheering you on. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, there's a few, there's a few people and a few other companies and a few business owners that they've just been exceptional people and they've been there to help you out and, and there to offer support. And, um, you know, and, and those people are, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, I could say the opposite. There's some other people that are not as savory that have also had critical impacts in, in my career mm -hmm. um, for the opposite reasons, right? Like people that I would say, I never want to be like that person, or I never want to act like that person. Uh, those people have shaped my career as much as the people that I want to be like, or the people that have helped. Absolutely. Yeah. It's those moments, those moments that develop grit and help to push us forward. I completely agree. And grit is a, such a critical word. Cause I was going to say something earlier when you had asked a question about young, young people in the, in the industry that are looking for um, some advice. Grit, grit is the word that I would stick to. There's a, a book that I read about it and it was just talking about um, grit can, can, can supersede intellect um, if you put the grit in. Absolutely. Passion and persistence. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I'm super glad you could join us today. Before we say goodbye, I wanted to ask if there's anything that we didn't touch on or anything that you wanted to leave our listeners with. You know, there's one thing that I want to leave the listeners with, and it's the industry at large. And I think that our industry needs it just as much as other industries need it. And people need to work together and help each other. And I think that's one thing that's, you know, it's, it's a part of this pandemic, but it's also a part of humanity. And it's a part of uh, being a good person. And I think that that's what I want to leave the listeners with is that, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast today or, or you take something out of this podcast, is that when you're on a construction site, next time you're on a construction site, go do something polite for someone or teach somebody something or help somebody with something. Let's, let's work, we're all in this together. So let's work together and let's help each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great message, especially, especially now more than ever. We, we appreciate you joining us today. It was, it was awesome talking to you guys. I know we're, we're always cheering you on and following the projects that you're, you're working on. So we're, we're looking forward to keeping an eye on you on social media as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. If you'd like to learn more about Dirt Stories, visit dozer.com slash blog and select Dirt Stories. Follow us on Instagram at dozerhub for the latest news in the industry and follow our blogs and podcasts through the Dirt Stories hashtag on social media. Want to be featured on the podcast? 
contact us via social media or at dozer.com slash blog if you or someone you know has a dirt story to share. Today's episode was sponsored and produced by Dozer, the world's first online equipment rental experience. Visit dozer.com to learn more. Thank you.